Hey guys. We're a role-playing exchange. Hello, welcome to the role-playing exchange. Adam, <laughs> what are we doing? Man, that is, that is the most non-committal <laughs> intro. It's like, hey guys, this is the role-playing exchange. <laughs> All right, I'm there for real now. Yeah. Hi there, and welcome to the role-playing exchange. Uh, I'm Chris, the GM of the Uncle's Games. <laughs> and this is, I, I guess, it, it's been a while... <laughs> Uh, this is going to be the, the post-mortem for the, the Uncles of Penny Dreadmill, our Monster of the Week campaign. Been a while. Been a while. Been a while. So I can get that horrible stained Aaron Lewis is a piece of shit song out of my head. <laughs> hey, this is Adam, and I played the row of doodles. He was at the wrong playbook, and uh, yeah, I was Penny Dreadmill's uh, biological uncle. The story revolved around uh, Penny, who was, you know, had some supernatural experiences, and when possessed, the entity that possessed her jumped to my brother Jack. So, for the course of the game, I kind of stood in as a, I don't know if surrogate father would be the the best term for it, but I tried to be the best father figure I could in my brother's absence, all the while dealing with his uh, chuckle-fuck roommate slash best friend. I think you were roommates? Yeah. Oh my roommates. god, they were roommates. <laughs> I think they were college roommates. <laughs> they were. Yeah. Hey, it's your boy Branson. Or as a uh, or it's actually his actor Chris who plays Branson in the uh, hit TV show The Uncle's Penny, Penny Dreadmill. I was the flake and possibly the biggest piece of chaos in the entire goddamn campaign. <laughs> You you were definitely the agent of chaos <laughs> throughout this game. <laughs> mm-hmm. Branson likes two things: streaming and drugs, and helping his boys. Yeah. And next up, <laughs> um, that leaves me, Alistair, um, the crooked playbook. Uh, I'm I'm the step uncle trying to go straight, or uh, as my actor is called, uh, Robbie. Apparently. All right. Okay. Hello, this is David. I gave voice to the angel Tariel. Be not afraid. No, seriously, be not afraid. Normally, I'm not here for you. I'm here for whatever that monster is over there. I I started hey. out as Doodle's uh, guardian angel. And uh, my duties increased as time went by. With, especially when they realized, no, no, you really need a full timer. You, 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 we we had a simple guardian on you, but uh, you're getting into so much more trouble. So much more. Here, here's your full timer. They bring in the big guns, Tariel. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say big guns, but definitely big nunchaku. Yes, <laughs> the sisters, my favorite part. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, this is this was a this was an adventure. This campaign. <laughs> yep. So maybe we should start off with Crazon. Tell us about your idea for the campaign. Okay. So this entire campaign started out with uh, I believe it was Adam and I talking. I, I think I think Chris was also involved. Uh, us talking about my niece, um, who I based Penny off of. Um, and she's like, a uh, I think at the time she was like four or five and she would 
tell me like just because of like her proximity to my to me and my family <laughs> uh she got into the creepy stuff very quickly um and would talk about weird creatures and like thing like imaginary friends that she had like the stick witch that lives in her closet and she didn't like it when it came out at night and crawled along the walls <laughs> or her her sister bloody mary who lives in the walls <laughs> um like that kind of stuff is what she would like go on about and like i as the the creepy pasta enthusiast that i am i couldn't be more proud <laughs> um so it, yes it's worth mentioning i i was there too because i i think the council of uncles thing came from um the this is sus podcast like a chapo spin-off uh that me and and chris were riffing uh, with each other about i i think uh we kind of came up with the idea from you discussing your <laughs> yes yeah you're absolutely right rob yeah the yeah the it, it was sort of like a blend of like hey my my niece is, is saying creepy things <laughs> and yo we should do it uh, like uh it's like it's the council we should have a council of uncles deal with some of these weird creepy things <laughs> um Some? I think yeah. some of what we uh, ended what ended up being the council of uncles also kind of stemmed from conversations we had pre-pandemic where I was I had just finished reading um Kings of the Wild which is a um, kind of it's a fantasy like D&D-ish kind of setting where a group of adventurers who were popular in their heyday kind of I uh, had to get together, get the band together for one last kind of job. I remembered me and you talking about, yeah. uh, I think the main thing that <clears throat> came from that was us talking about uh, one of them was possessed from a botched ex- exorcism. I think that's pretty much where <laughs> that yeah. one came from. Yeah, that's basically Penny's like backstory in a nutshell. <laughs> so that's probably where that ruminated. <laughs> um, also, uh, yeah, we've we've talked before about uh, games where we're just playing like dads on mowers or something like, like basically like middle-aged guys who have to deal with like, or have to protect their family from, from some supernatural threat in their, uh, their, in their, uh, little neighborhoods. <laughs> this didn't really turn out to be that game. No, it, it, it didn't, but it, it evolved from that. Like there was yeah. definitely an evolutionary process, uh, to this campaign. Um, and, that that also happened with because like the the first couple of monsters and actually like the my overarching theme with my monsters when I was running the games were the uh, the cognivores, uh, which stemmed out of uh, a, a couple of a couple of talky sessions that me and Adam had on my other show El Dente Rigamortis, uh, where we were talking. Uh, it, it spawned out of a single line, uh, like a comment that Adam made. In a creepy po- about a creep uh, while well, we were reading a creepy pasta set in Kentucky, and Adam was like, "Well, that's just your typical Kentucky tree dolphin," <laughs> and the rest was history after that because we then proceeded to make us an episode about brainstorming the Kentucky tree dolphin as a cryptid, <laughs> and I just kind of jumped off the deep end from that from there. So that also led to the um formation of so many other monsters in this particular game because more often than not our monsters followed the naming format of oh uh that is the place noun creature oh you know it's just it's just a simple ohio corn squid yeah <laughs> yeah just your typical ohio corn squid 
Floyd, you don't have those where you're from? <laughs> what they're called the Ontario uh the Ontario maple wheat <laughs> the ma- maple the wheat? Ontario maple calamari. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The ma- maple maple uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Words. They're hard sometimes. <laughs> they are, but at the same time it was very well done. I, I kind of want to put together a generator for making all sorts of this. Are you stuck? Would you like encrypted to be generated? Well, just spin the wheels. We should do that at some point. <laughs> that wouldn't be too hard, honestly. Wow, that's yeah. the Arkansas blood squirrel. Oh my God. I, okay, I'm writing that down. <laughs> Arkansas blood squirrel. And also, sounds like our sequel <laughs> campaign was born. Yeah. Arkansas blood squirrel, Cognivore or Metal Band? <laughs> I assume all cognivores are actually fronts for metal bands. I mean, that's it, not too far. it's just a simple Montana fire cougar. So there's so much that you have to go over here, and I'm I'm really going to rely heavily upon you, Crazon, to uh, do all the lifting on this. Uh, we did, I mean, roughly, I think, close to 20 episodes around. Got, we do. We did um, 21 sessions. Uh, and then we didn't. Uh, we did a three-part session thing that Rob did. It was two-part. Was it two-part? I thought it was three-part. Three-part like three. if you count the phase anatomy, which I don't because I wasn't GMing it. Uh, okay, that's what that. That's why. That's what I'm including as as uh, the two. It felt like three because Rob's insufferable. <laughs> Aw. <laughs> With friends like this, I'm Who needs glad enemies? I don't have enemies. So <laughs> yeah. instead of us actually just going through and rehashing twenty episodes mm-hmm. of it, I for you know, my editing time and your listening time, I, I, I implore you, Crazon, to uh kind of was was hit some high points here. So it was really kind of a cross country or transcontinental not yeah, yeah, it was definitely yeah transcontinental because like we we were in Canada, we were in the states, uh, we never left the uh, we never left North America. <laughs> yeah, well, that's not true. We did leave North America. We just also left Earth for, for yeah. a couple of sessions. <laughs> Plane of existence. Yeah, yeah. We so, never we never got to ex- experience the Belgian blood frogs. And thank goodness for that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we can handle the Belgian blood frogs, uh, not in our current configuration. Guys, I can only type so fast. <laughs> kind of see everything going as far as it did. Yes and no. <laughs> um, I started this campaign uh, with a lot more like horror ideas in mind, but then as Branson sort of... <laughs> Uh, muddled his way through the game. It sort of, I, I sort of gave gave uh, gave into the uh, the the horror comedy emphasis on comedy <laughs> of that 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 some monster hunting like genre tends to do. Mm-hmm. Sort of like to me, it sort of became like the the same situation as like Tremors, where like the first movie is definitely a horror movie with some like comedic beats, and then. After like into the as the sequels went on, it was just like no, this is this is definitely like a, a very very uh, uh, equal measure <laughs> or like maybe a little bit more overpowering of the uh, the comedy <laughs> that's going yeah. on here. Um, and I don't and I don't say that bad. Like I I yeah. like I we 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 bash Branson, <laughs> but I honestly like love Branson's character. <laughs> like Chris, you played him like very fun. <laughs> 
Like, oh yeah, I will hear. I will hear nothing negative about Branson because Branson is yeah. fucking hilarious. And honestly, like later in the epi- like later in the campaign, uh, when he was interacting with my character, because I got to play in the game as uh, as um, the biological brother of of Doodles and Jack, um, Penny's father, um, Jingleheimer, yeah. Um, who's basically just Jack with a cowboy hat and a mustache. <laughs> uh, like they were twins. <laughs> and so, yeah. Um, but honestly, like my, fa- one of my favorite, like moments of like Branson, like being not just being Branson, but Branson actually kind of almost like developing a little bit was his, <laughs> was, was, uh, th- was his interaction with, with Jingleheimer, uh, and Jingleheimer finding out that he slept with his girlfriend in college. <laughs> Like yeah. that was the most scared I think I've ever seen Branson in game. He's like, "Hey man, I'm sorry I did that." What? Oh, never mind. <laughs> yeah. Uh it was yeah, no, honestly that was really good. I liked that. Like cuz up at that point like Branson has was was being Branson and just like very aloof and punch shit and that's how it's got to be done. But that was the first time that it, like monsters that he can deal with. But he can't. He doesn't want to deal with uh, with uh, with the issues uh, with some of the uh, the actual like human drama he's created for himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I liked that. So, like all great things, our story begins in Kentucky. <laughs> yes, yeah, with the Kentucky Tree Dolphin and Dolphy's Cove, this abandoned Western themed uh, th- theme park <laughs> uh, yeah. in in the woods, and uh, that was definitely based off of drone footage you had sent me adam mm-hmm. of like somebody doing some drone like some drone footage out in the rural kentucky uh, and like this uh like old west vill- like old west town that's that was just abandoned in uh in the woods yeah yeah i i definitely wholesale took that setting and then like combined it with the kentucky tree dolphin as like the te- the 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 mascot uh, it had wormed its way in as the mascot of that conv- of that uh, a theme park, and then it did its job too well, and basically made people forget about this place. So, yeah, and I think with that, and like I said, I'm kind of just highlighting major things. I, you know, yeah, that it was. It started out simple. We started this during the pandemic. Uh, it was just kind of uh, we had done. I think uh, God, what was it? It was at, we did some esoteric stuff. Yeah. We, yeah. Yep. We, we tried with Rob there in the beginning too, but apparently uh, Firewire. China. Uh, yeah, China. I was, I was, yeah, I was uh, broadcasting through a tin cup in China. Yeah, it was. They, so you the, were behind the Great Firewall of China. I was actually using a VPN to get around the uh, local blocking services because Discord uh, isn't approved over there. Oof. Uh, yeah, that was definitely the the whole start of this too. Was like the Hell Game came out of us finding a finding a time during the pandemic to like just hang out and and rec- mm-hmm. and record some games and get me kind of into RPX. <laughs> so yeah. Basically yeah. we're thankful for it. Yeah, no, it's been a blast. So I, I tell you what, what, what going into this, like I mean we we'll go into the stories obviously too. I remember of course Rob was uh, originally supposed to, you know, take part in stuff, and then he bowed out till his uh, living situation got a little different. And I can't, I, I, I think, I don't remember how David got brought into this. I remember you telling me that David is interested in playing, and I'm like, well, hell yeah, because, I mean, it, it's David. And like I've, we've played several games together, and it's always a blast. But I, I can't remember how David 
got into this? So yeah, good question, actually. Part of it, yeah. um, part of it was that um, the best friends were putting together their Kickstarter for the uh, Monster of the Week uh, deck of many monsters, and I had stepped in and I was basically helping to plug that a little bit, um, and. I'm weird about invites. Like the second that you invite me in, I am like the friendliest vampire. <laughs> I will come in and I will do all of the things. It's like, we have a monster of the week game that we've been running. Would you like in? Oh, I would love to. Is the divine open? It uh, is. What- <laughs> yeah. And, um, I started out basically using <laughs> Tariel for the soothability which it's one of the ones that the divine have that they don't um, have to roll for always been one of my favorites, but I love it for the just idea of hello. um, I'm the angel Tariel. Here is my business card. Be not afraid. Um, So I understand that you have a monster and yes, you are police officers and technically this would fall under your jurisdiction. However, the thing is, that has fire and chains coming out of it, and it seems a little bit above your pay grade. Now, I can deal with that with my compatriots over here. Like, the whole point was, I'm going to make a talk-us-out-of-it character, and I somehow ended up turning into the heavy hitter. But it was was glorious, and um, it all came out of um, pitching... Um, basically helping to pitch that Kickstarter within the net podcast network and then stepping in and getting to just play in so many more wonderful, wonderful games. The, uh, there is a reason why I say that RPX is my second home. You guys are freaking amazing. And the fact that this is the way that we're bringing Crazon in too, I... I'll, I'll admit to a certain amount of greed. I want Crazon around more because Crazon is fucking awesome. Thank you. <laughs> and like, if I can be part of the action that brings him in, yes, I, I am here for this. 100%. That's great. Well, what I was tickled to have here, I think uh, Crazon asked if it was okay to, to send the invite to you. I was like, you know, and then I mentioned before, I was like, oh, hell yeah. And, <laughs> I, I had the pleasure, and I know that we'll we'll kind of briefly go over chron- the chronological events here, but I had the pleasure of running the introductory game, which was just like a little, uh, I guess wasn't even really connected to the monster universe at all, or the Cognivore universe at all. I just, I kind of wanted to do just a typical kind of monster thing. It, it didn't step on or change the mythos of what Crazon was doing, but I, yeah, I got to do that one little, it just turned out it was a, uh, like a demonic kind of possession kind of set up there, and it worked out great. Yeah, I I feel like everybody like because we have we had like four people GM during this campaign. Like I was mm-hmm. I was the primary camp uh, GM, and then Adam jumped in for um, well even before Adam jumped in as a GM, it, uh, Chris uh, from R- RPX's Chris, um, he ran uh, old spider legs. And, oh, old spider legs. Yeah, basically that your your niche, like my niche was cognivores because like that had been like kind of my creative baby. <laughs> and then your niche in the campaign was um was urban was uh the uh, uh cryptids, right? 
Folkloric entities. Yeah, folkloric entities. That's what it was. Yeah. And then, Adam, you ran that, that introductory one. Uh, I think it was like Carcosa, wasn't it? <laughs> or Well, it was it was something that I just picked up from Evil Hat. I had a whole package of just Monster of the Week scenarios, and I was kind of being lazy. I was like, well, I, I like doing the Fae. Yeah, Rob, I like the Fae as well. But um, I didn't think I, this would be the time to exercise my missing uh, 411 uh, people going missing in uh, national parks. Uh, fixation. So I just kind of picked uh, just a straight up uh, possession and a uh, like another kind of uh, the hellscape kind of reality that uh, enveloped a church. And it it was fun. I mean, I'll be the first to admit that I was the least creative of all the GMs. I kind of relied on the uh, pre-published stuff, which is if you paid attention to RPX in general, I tend to run stuff that was written by somebody else. Though we are going to start a monster, not monster week, kids on bikes thing. But yeah, it, it it seemed to fit out, fit well, and I don't even know if I'd mentioned to David it was going to involve like the spiritual aspect of it. But you know, the addition of Tariel just, uh, I mean, it, it set it set a tone for that character that I, I really appreciated. It set a tone of, uh, you know, pa- power and grace, I guess you could say, and just I really think that Tariel became the. Uh, Part of the entire uh, campaign as things went on. Well, if Branson was the brain that got us into trouble, <laughs> I was the heart that tried to lead us out of it. Brain oh, seems like okay. a bit much. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not gonna lie. I was gonna. I was like bronze, maybe, because <laughs> he he definitely used his knucks more than he used his, his brain. <laughs> he was he was the pure unadulterated id. Yeah. Um, and then just kind of keeping us on track. And yeah, so we had like, like our three GMs. And then by the end of the campaign, Rob decided to put his foot into the uh, arena <laughs> uh, to, to deal with some uh, more hellish things. Cause your character was more, it was had dealings with like demons Act and with the devil. Like yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I got to involve some very fun, weird metaphysics with it. Uh, made it up on the spot. Uh, not going to lie. There was a, there was some sort of like perspective based stuff that was dependent on having Tariel around. Unfortunately, David <laughs> couldn't make the session. I, I was really hyped to show like three different kinds of hell reality that everyone filtered it towards what they expected things to yeah. look like. So like the real hell that you'd see through the prism would be like demons and shit. You guys just saw like worse Chicago and Tariel would have seen like a bunch of really depressed angels all the time. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, worst Chicago. You mean Detroit? <laughs> yes! <laughs> fuck, I can't. I always confuse those cities. Oh. I, I actually very much got the inspiration for making it Detroitish from the the session that Chris ran for me. Can't have uh, shit in Detroit. <laughs> can't have shit in Detroit. Crazon. Yo, what is a cognivore? Uh, so a cognivore, like, my my concept for what a cognivore is is it's an interdimensional uh species or like family of species from a, a reality called the cogniverse <laughs> where um basically like it's it's sort of like our like like a space universe like a space like universe where there's like cognitive energy like physically in the world like it's it's like almost like a, a like a resource um and the species there feed off of it 
at, on their various worlds, like their various planets and stuff. And um, it's sort of dwindling. Like they, they, they're starting to kind of run out of their resource, but their resource is somewhat tied to our universe. So they're finding ways to get into our universe to, uh, to access uh, our more subtle, like kind of wavelengths and such. Uh, yes. Whenever I think of Branson, <laughs> I think subtle. Yeah. Well, subtle in that, like, it's not like, like there's not like streams of energy flowing through the, through the, through space that are literally like cognitive energy. <laughs> like it's, it's invisible to us, but to them, they can see like uh, the energy that our minds give off and such. Um, it, they stemmed from like, originally they were like, sort of just like a weird cryptid that I was kind of developing after the, the, the whole tree dolphin incident. <laughs> Um, and then I got hard into sci-fi again, and I was like, you know what? They're aliens, but not from space, from another dimension. <laughs> um, nice. So, yeah, I pl- I've been playing with that uh, ever since, basically. Uh, and it actually kind of might tie into some later games I have ideas for. <laughs> the whole, like, space premise. But, uh, yeah, they're basically, we like... To, we have basically... to expand the Branson Cinematic Universe, clearly. Oh. Of course. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they're basically just like eldritch space uh, uh, eldritch space aliens from another reality. Um, what kind of what were our, what what kind of baddies did we deal with from that reality? We we've already pre- mentioned the uh, Kentucky tree dolphin. Yeah, we had the tree dolphin who was uh, yeah a an ambush sort of niche predator. Um, we had. The actually, hang on, I got both the character, uh, the my character sheet for the Cognivore Country. Uh, we had the New England crab monkey, who was sort of like a, a dealer or like a uh, a peddler, um, because he would he would take your thoughts, um, and in exchange he would give you a coin that he would manifest. Um, like so, that was basically his whole deal, and he made a deal with some kid in the in the game. That basically, like the, the the kid would let him like steal people's thoughts, make them kind of like insomniac and like oh, like sort of like brain foggy, and then the kid would take their wallets and, and take their credit cards and money and stuff, and like you know be a real a real asshole and brat. <laughs> I love that we never figured that out. I know. <laughs> I mean, to be not fair, even once. <laughs> this is a group where if a if a child is like an asshole at us, we'll just be like, yeah, that's kids. Yeah, that, kid, that kid fucking sucks. Yeah, I mean it's funny because like that ca- that whole set that whole like two sessions was like you guys you guys killed a man <laughs> for making him like uh uh relive the the traumatic memory of being like or being like brain fuckled with the by the uh by the uh the crab monkey and then you reanimated him as a zombie and then had to put him down again. <laughs> hey. It was what I could do at the time. Yes. I had a plan, and I had just watched Naruto. That is fair. Why? Really Branson. Oh, Branson. Branson, okay. Bran- yeah, yeah, he's he's channeling, he's been, he channels Branson very well. He does, he does. <laughs> um, but yeah, after the, after the New England Crab Monkey, there was the Great Canadian Star Bear, <laughs> which was, um, I, I found out that in Alberta, there is a uh, there's a town called Riley, which is awfully close to Riley <laughs> to me. 
to my to my uh, mythos addled brain. <laughs> so I was like, well, that's got to be a used in a scenario. And so and I just sort of cats are called there. Oh man. <laughs> Why? What are they called there, Rob? Um, no, let's let's not <laughs> let's not do this. <laughs> we can all we can all say I I will say as a fan of Lovecraft fiction, Lovecraft was a racist asshole. Sure was. Yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, that out of the way. Yeah. So basically, the Great Canadian Star Bear was like uh, the largest um, of the of the uh, the cognivores uh, up to this point, and was basically they they. Uh, sort of, they start see- they start sapping from like a large field of of population, and then they ca- they also have the ability to um, uh, project a a persona out to uh, sort of like hide themselves. Like they they hide like the the lumbering the giant lumbering bear like creature l- uh, hides somewhere in like a den or like a layer sort of situation, and then it psychically projects a an avatar out onto the, into the, uh, the population it's, it's sapping from. And that's how we got, uh, and that's how we got, uh, Adam or, uh, doodles is, uh, uh, monster girlfriend. (laughs) Uh, I can't remember what her name was. Shit. Clarice. Uh, Yeah. Clarice. Yes. Her name was Clarice. No, I mean, maybe I was the only one that thought that when I watched it the first time, I was like, well, why aren't they just dating? Well, yeah, because you actually like. I was expecting you guys just put down the the great Canadian star bearer, and then you're like, "No, we're we're gonna we're gonna haggle with this thing." Well, well I'll definitely speak about that when when it comes time for uh, talking about uh, Doodle's growth and all that. But yeah, that was one of my favorite scenes early on, a, a defining moment. Um, just just the eighteen plus warning here before we move into Doodle's growth. <laughs> oh no! Oh, no. Oh. And, uh, I was going to mention that um, I think my favorite standout moment was it snoops for Rob. Yes, yes. Um, that, that, that was the next monster. The um, uh, so whereas the uh, the Great Canadian Star Bear was like a Lovecraftian homage, um, the Pacific Northwest Hermit Toad <laughs> came out of um, uh, actually our Polybius episode on El Dente Rigamortis, where we were talking about like how Polybius was actually a cognivorous creature inside of the cabinet that was like sapping people's cognitive energy while they were playing the game. And so that's where the hermit toad came from was that it it hides inside of anachronistic technology, like a TV or like it hollows out like a TV or, or an arcade cabinet and projects a, a game on the screen. And as the person is playing it, they are feeding the creature. And it also gave me a chance to sort of play with the idea that like, the cognivores have a have a, like any other like any ecosystem. They have like illnesses and ailments, and so they have uh, the the polywogs um, or the uh, the polywog uh, cabinet. Um, they had a an element that cognivores get called the hunger, where they just keep uh, collecting and eating and devouring cognitive energy until they basically explode or mutate into something horrible. And unless I'm mistaken, it's also the first time we saw like some kind of internal regulation for the cognivores. Yes, yeah, that was with the uh, the crab people, the uh, the the crab men in black, um, because the the cur is what I've called the species. They're basically like um, a, a, a race of freelancers in the cogniverse that like work for the various factions of cognivores, <laughs> because like the cognivores are actually sapient species that have like 
uh, a governing, like have little governing bodies and such. So it's, basically, it, it, I was evolving and, and developing the uh, the the mythos more and more. Like they weren't just simple like cryptids or standalone monsters. They were organizations and such. Mm. And yeah, that's where we got. It snoops because <laughs> you yeah. guys were dealing with men in black who were actually crab people in disguise. <laughs> I, I was curious and seeking a disguise. I I built Alistair with the I'm a in general. I build a lot of support characters and Alistair's abilities were basically if you need something, you got it. Yeah. And here, uh, panically looking for a disguise in a theme park, I I, I look for a mascot costume which happened to be Snoopy. Yeah, because and stalking people dressed as Snoopy. Yeah, because so I I was most familiar in terms of theme parks with Canada uh, Canada's Wonderland, which is just like forty minutes away from me um, down in Toronto, and like I've I have so many memories of going there, like during the summer and even during the fall when like they have the Halloween haunt stuff. So it like I even have like I think I ha- still have one of their physical maps, so I could like rely on that for like where you guys were in the in the uh in the theme park but yeah they also have like a big kitty area that's like all like nickelodeon funded so yeah Yeah, um the next monster was the nain rouge of detroit um again keeping in mind with like i was going with folkloric monsters there is a red cap that lives in detroit and apparently much like mothman presages um disasters insurrections (laughs) yeah (laughs) Sorry, keep going. So, my idea for the Nain Rouge is he's just like this nasty little fucking goblin who hates you and can't die, and he knows he can't die. God, I, yeah, I, I remember like we, I think uh, that was Jingleheimer's, like one of Jingleheimer's major like sessions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just remember like fighting that thing like three times, and it's like, he sh- why isn't he going down? <laughs> Honestly. The two things I remember from that session are encountering Alistair's ex-girlfriend. Yeah. Um, and I think that established Alistair very much into what I he became and how I envisioned him, which is kind of an everyman like Doodles, but as opposed to the red I've got this handle character, it's just someone who's totally in over his fucking head. And uh, Jingleheimer walking through the town without any pants on. Yeah, that... That was also sort of cemented, I think, my idea for Jingleheimer, which was he thinks he's serious. Like, he thinks he's a serious, like, uh, like occult demon hunter or, like, monster hunter until he actually has to do something in practice, in which case, like, he's he's a, a friggin' unknown armies character. He's <laughs> like, God damn it, I hate this so much. Yeah. The best part is he's, he's very self-aware of it, too. Yeah. Though how Squidworm the next one? Yeah, the next one we had was the Cognivore, the Ohio Corn Squid, which was uh, my uh, again a take on like a uh, an enthraller sort of Cognivore, where like it it's an idea I've had a couple of times in games I've ran, where um, the cult is trying to spread the influence of the Corn Squid or of the of the of the entity by like through food like through through farm food and stuff like that like so they go to farmers markets with like contaminated food and um the more people that eat or like that um that eat the uh, the corn um there's actually a little like a little baby corn squid inside the corn that gets into their bodies and then it basically enthralls them so it was sort of like the faculty i was playing off of like those kind of themes 
Um, I feel like this scenario had Branson's most badass moments. It it it, it did. Um, mm-hmm. Much to the chagrin, I think, of some of the players. Like, <laughs> but uh, but we'll get to that in a second. It all it also introduced um, uh, because we were doing it in Ohio. I kind of wanted to also have some like cross cross cryptid like uh, like germination. So like it was the the Ohio corn squid. And they were at the the cult of the Ohio corn squid was at war with the Loveland uh, the Loveland Frogman uh, or Frogmen who were a biker gang, and I decided to combine the Loveland uh, Frogman mythos with the actual Cthulhu mythos and say that they were uh, remnant uh, the the biker gang and the Frogman were remnants of the Deep Ones from Innsmouth <laughs> during the okay. uh, during the the forties or uh, or whenever I think it was like the twenties when Innsmouth was raided yeah mm-hmm. so. Yeah, basically, like the the survivors, the ones that didn't get caught by the government, like or or the SNTF, um, escaped and went on the run, and they they went as far inland as Ohio, <laughs> figuring that no one would would no one would look in Ohio. <laughs> I mean, would you? Yeah, was, of course. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, my point stands. <laughs> um, Up until we called attention to them by. Getting into a nice long running battle with the corn, corn <laughs> a Mad Max falling down the wrath of God himself. Yeah. yeah, it was a very Mad Maxian like road chase. <laughs> as you as as they were tr- the the cult the remaining cult members were trying to get the queen corn squid who was in a semi <laughs> away from you guys, and they're like, no, we can't lose them. Mm-hmm. It was so good. And yeah, I, I'll admit I got very, uh, I got kind of pulled in, like as a as a as a person in, in, invested into what what Chris was putting down for his ritual and like your ridiculousness because it was just getting so outlandish. But I think it was, I think it was pissing off some of the other players. You can a, say my name. I mean, Adam. I, I never liked Doodles to begin. I mean, uh, Doodles. I never liked, I liked Branson to begin with, and that was the nail in the coffin. <laughs> I. I I don't know, like I enjoyed Branson as a character, but there I I was also kind of like Crazon. This isn't really how big magic works. You're you're just letting Chris get away with this bullshit. <laughs> you're, and you're absolutely right. I was because I I hadn't read the I hadn't reread the the rules on the on the big magic, so I didn't actually like have a frame of reference. And at this point, like I think it was actually the night by the Nain Rouge session. I was I had gone from like horror scenario to horror comedy scenario to fucking just superhero horror. <laughs> like it, it was just monster hunting superheroes at that point because of the leveling in, in Monster of the Week or mm-hmm. it, it, it it to me it seems like the there's an escalation when like a character gets so, so like leveled up to it, like the max or very close to it. They feel very like they can just be superheroes to me. <laughs> Yeah, there's a reason Branson's never going to show up again. Yeah, outside of as like an NPC. Yeah, like I think some of it could be scaled back a bit, but there's definitely some abilities where just like how this this isn't really sustainable. One that's one that feels like it should be bad, but we rarely abuse. I think I'm the one who coaxed the main abuse out of this is Tariel's wings ability. Yes. With, we use the dungeon <laughs> bypass, yeah, and, and, and kill and inadvertently condemn like hundreds of people. <laughs> uh, they probably but, had it coming. Yeah, we'll get to that in a second. I I also want to just point out, like, I think this is something that just happens innately, also with like powered by the apocalypse, which is what Monster of the Week is. Um, is that like 
there's a reason that like most campaigns in Monster Empowered by the Apocalypse games only last like up to like six to eight uh, sessions because the characters become so powerful they get to the very end of their level cap and you, you if going any further like you're going to have that kind of very very strong power creep yeah um and i've i've seen it all, i've seen it before i've heard it a lot um in in postmortems of other monster or power by the apocalypse games and we weren't even using the uh the experience uh, like all of the experience gaining like techniques that the game has like we weren't doing post uh post session experience allotment we were just going by did you fail take an experience point <laughs> like yeah. that was the i think the only time we that was the only time you guys got experience and you guys just kept getting experience from that and i think it, it, it gave us longevity for like the 21 plus episodes or sessions that we had but it also like turned them into beasts yeah even then it yeah it turned us into beasts so <laughs> oh, very much so Again, um, I think as someone who's run like a lot of Dungeon World, I know there's ways around it, but yeah, it's it's definitely an element. Yeah. Um and again, like there's nothing wrong with like the short campaign stuff. It's just like yeah, though no, this session like like this this system is just like it's hardwired for sort of like short shorter play campaigns. Yeah. <laughs> um allow yeah. me to say something nice about Branson. <laughs> I mean that that was uh well Chris made it so easy for me to play doodles, by the way, and we'll go into that a little bit later on just because like, God damn it. Shit far. I mean it's just over and over again, but uh you followed it up with our going to the big nope prison level yeah. and um that uh that was like for my character and for me that was pretty pretty well needed and I, I definitely enjoyed that. So what was that one particularly about? So you anybody listening to this may may be and who whoever's listening to this and is a patron to RPX may have listened to our uh sort of like our cuz i think we did a a talky episode about like the uncle's verse games and how like i was going to have like a like a a, me, a council of the uh of the supernatural powers and stuff um and i'll fully admit when i when we were talking about that game and when we were when i was brainstorming that initial idea i had definitely just come off of reading the Dres- the last dresden file books <laughs> So that was kind of in my my headspace, but as as we were like going forward after that that talkie, I kind of realized like, do I want to do that or like that seems like it's a little it, like a little more out of this like the, like this sort of game's wheelhouse. Maybe I should do something where like the last session specifically like Branson did a major thing that like disrupted public awareness of things and like kind of common reality. Uh, was shaken <laughs> from the events of of that last of the of that session. So I was like, you know what? What if what if that council of powers is happening, but it's like off screen because and and the and the group doesn't get to know about uh, much about that aside from like secondhand if they survive the next session because Branson's been sent to supernatural prison <laughs> for his <laughs> actions, and that's what brought in the the like more to the forefront the the supernatural task force and they're not safe for world incognito site <laughs> brought to wizard jail yes i just um, want to say how many sessions have involved branson in prison um uh, every at least time three. yeah at least three because every time uh that, that was basically uh chris's gimmick right like for like how we were getting to a scenario <laughs> yeah whenever whenever it's a, a scenario that i'm running it's branson's in jail you have to go bail him out <laughs> oh by the way there's also this supernatural thing in the town that, at the prison that he's in <laughs> So maybe deal with that too, but also bail up Branson. <laughs> Branson um, just streaming in there. No, no, no. 
I'm not locked in here with you. You're creating You're content with me. <laughs> I'm not locked in here with you. You're locked in here with my phone. <laughs> Your guest... I'm not locked in here with you. You're my guest interview. <laughs> yeah. Was there an actual monster in that one? I can't remember. So it yeah, was that, Branson. Yeah, honestly, honestly, that the the scenario for that game, like that, wasn't really a monster. Um, so much as like, all right, you guys have all woken up into the, at this weird diner that just happens to be a biomechanical lobster creature. <laughs> um, that is the cafeteria, effectively, of this prison, this weird interdimensional prison. Um, there was how are the... you getting? Uh, how are you getting out? And who's coming with you? <laughs> like, is Branson yes. going to be leaving with you as uh, when you get out? So it was sort of. I just gotten off. I had also just gotten done like playing through Control, so that also helped for some of the uh, the themes and stuff of the the interdimensional supernatural prison. <laughs> and yet there was no finished janitor. No, no. I have to um, say too, uh, the the international prison. The or interdimensional prison. I I can't talk this morning. It's um, but what what I was going to say is I I did love the idea that um you just kind of leaned into me yes anding on it like it was hello Doris I uh, guess coffee would be lovely it's like you know where we are I do yeah Can I you was tell us no I cannot <laughs> yeah Why I was not? It's part of the rules. <laughs> Yeah, I was very much banking on on like, well, Tariel's an angel. He probably knows this place. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, and yeah, like even when like that's why like everyone seemed to know you or like knew what you were. Um, and like even uh, Agent El or uh, Agent Elk the uh, or the Warden, um, knew exactly who you were. Uh, he might have been an angel for all I knew. I I just like I figured he was some kind of like, and some kind of divine entity or something that was wardening the place as well. Um, speaking of entities of ambiguous <laughs> meaning, Chris mm -hmm. stared into the reality-eating snake, into yeah. Yggdrasil, what exactly was... So, yeah. so the, 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 the cosmic serpent there is my version, my true form, <laughs> my true form, wow, <laughs> no, is the, is the true form of, um, uh, of Death's daughter, who is also running the place of that little girl with the popcorn. <laughs> um, like, the little girl with the popcorn, like that's her. That's her. Her mundane persona that she like uh, her avatar. Um, the the creature itself, and actually most of the dimension you guys were in was her. <laughs> like she, it, it's again, she's this like weird serpentine like eldritch horror. Um, that's the daughter of death and maintains basically like she reaps um memories and most of the time like her role is reaping the memories from the common reality that are supernatural or weird. So so you're saying I threatened fucking death. You you threatened death's daughter. <laughs> Threatens wow. a strong word. Irritated, uh, inconvenienced, uh, like, embarrassed yourself. I mean, well, a lot of those. Yeah, definitely embarrassed myself. Yeah, she she did she did say it's like come at me, bro. <laughs> like in 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 Eldritch. <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh, oh, maybe I've bitten off more than I can chew for once." Yeah, it would have been really interesting. I, I don't know exactly like now, like right now, I don't know what would have happened because it didn't happen if Branson had stepped off the precipice into the cosmos. But he would have. I am become death. <laughs> you, you might have you, memories. I I feel like you might have become a servitor. 
to to death's daughter. <laughs> I am become death destroyer of streams. <laughs> yeah. I, w- I, I would websites. You just become a memetic virus across the, like the dark web. <laughs> you just, I like, I like claim to see this sorry sorry David. <laughs> I I was just going to say I I love that session too because if I can toot my own horn uh it did give one of those really fun, badass Taria lines of, you know exactly what it's going to take to stop me. Yeah. You can <laughs> or you can fight me. And either way, it's not going to end well for you. Um, Alistair might say that too, but the answer then is a hundred bucks. <laughs> 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 Um, yeah, honestly, that entire session was, or that, that entire scenario, like that adventure was really like, I just wanted to see how you guys were going to escape. And, and if you were like, if Adam was actually going to get Branson out of, like, was going to let Branson leave. <laughs> Cause there was a good point where there was a portion where like he separated and Adam, oh, I'm not sure if it was Adam specifically, but it was doodles, but it was like, fuck it. Let's just fucking get out of here without this asshole. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, that would have been done. very fair. Yeah, it, it was it was interesting because like up to that point, I think I've kind of established Alistair as someone who's a coward, but will step up to defend his family. And because of this, this was the breaking point where I was like, "All right, Branson brought it on himself." <laughs> I yeah. give up. Like I yeah. really did have a character breaking moment of just like, do I go after Alistair to help him when he's literally just fucking pushing himself off the ledge to challenge God for no reason? Yeah. I, I th- and I think I, I loved like there's so many good like emotional beats there like in that like it was a good turning point narratively for like the characters because it is like even like when you guys went to the through the fractal fringe like that that fractaling mountain range that surrounds the entire like perimeter of the uh, that was solely Chris in that scene. <laughs> no no well, no it was True. also Tariel but then I had oh, Tariel right. like get bamfed away as like a a, uh, a like one of the mountain things like came crashing down so it looked like maybe Tariel had been crushed to to uh branson's eyes and then branson was suddenly on his own um mm. and then when branson tried to like all right i'm ready to go home now guys <laughs> tariel tariel <laughs> oh, <fuck. laughs> oh no oh no <laughs> guys i, I fucked up. up i fucked up <laughs> it was uh, very satisfying to see him suffer a consequence yeah the, uh, in his like, life. it was yeah it, it, it like I, I, it's not like not to be mean, like, it was yeah, not 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 to be mean to this fictional character, but it was oh, like no, it was it was so satisfying. Yeah, it was it was I'm glad, yeah, it was very satisfying to see this character who had, up to this point hadn't like had not cared whatsoever about consequences suddenly realize my actions have consequences. <laughs> my actions don't just have consequences. Oh my god, these are some serious serious consequences. What have I done? Yeah. I face the god and the god one. <laughs> yeah, kind of like that, yeah. I uh, think this brings us into our home game. Or in-game, not home game. <laughs> yeah, so after Adam uh, fucked with me by getting the, uh, the, the, little, um, uh, the bag of holding, or the box of holding, <laughs> and stuffed three people inside of it <laughs> to escape. You're welcome. Yeah, no, I like that. Again, like I was looking for you guys. Like, I was looking to see how like you guys would creatively get out of this place. <laughs> um, like there was there was an exit, like a clear exit. You just needed to like, uh, how are you going to get all of your stuff out <laughs> with you? I think we just asked nicely. <laughs> <Didn't> 
<laughs> Tariel asked nicely by rolling intimidation. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I, I really asked as much as I stated. <laughs> yes. But, yeah. So that. You stated nicely for an mm-hmm. angel. <laughs> and yeah, all the all the agents were like just kind of pooping their pants. <laughs> it's like, oh no. <laughs> but uh yeah, then you guys found yourselves um up north in Maple Moose County. Another another uh another nod to El Dente Rigamortis and my my creepypasta creative writing stuff <laughs> that mm-hmm. I've been playing around with with Adam and and mm-hmm. such. Um and that's when you guys got the message that Penny, uh, from Penny that uh, that Joyce, her mom, had been taken by the by the uh, by the um, joke master. Uh, the joke master, yes. Um, and yeah, that kind of rolled into the next one, which was the joke. I, I, at this point, like we had been rolling through like twenty sessions at this point, and we kind of been building up this carrot, like the, like like uh, Doodles' uh, whole thing with like the joke, like his he he'd been having scenes with the uh, uh, scenes with. And about the joke master and like what he, like and finding Jack, and so I felt like rather than just leave that in the backstory, I should actually maybe pull that into the forefront as a as a scenario. And so I had the joke master line up with with a cognivore uh, faction um, to try and get Joyce um, because he's a twisted little bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it, the only character worse than the Nain Rouge personality wise. Yeah, and. So the joke master, this like gobliny like creature that like changes face like constantly, like and I guess by the end it was revealed that it was actually a fallen angel, because uh, we we had it revealed that Tariel knew uh, knew who his true form was. Um, so that creature, that concept of the joke master, and like her, his 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 connection with Penny Dreadmill again came from my niece, because. Um, I think in 2020, I was like watching uh, watching my niece uh, like ride her bike um, in our driveway because again pandemic, um, and she stopped and was like looking past me into the woods and the hills behind our house, and I was like, "Well, what are you what are you looking at?" And she's like, "Oh, I'm looking at the joke master. He likes to tell jokes and is and thinks he's funny, but I don't like to see his face." And I just remember like dread just pouring down like like pouring through me <laughs> when she said that <laughs> i was like i really don't want to look behind me right now <laughs> oh god my niece is so creepy in the best way <laughs> yeah she's uh she's something yeah she she she's definitely either gonna go like really hard into like goth when she's older or she's going to rebel against horror really fast i don't know which one it's gonna be <laughs> I said, or possibly both. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but yeah, so that was that was the the re- the inspiration for the joke master and his whole inception of this. And then yeah, I threw in the um, the 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 mocking spiders, which were the next cognivore species, and they were a separate species from like the moon of one of the planets in the cognivorce. Um, and I had used them before in a Monster of the Week campaign on One Less Die, my other podcast. Wait, you were from <laughs> that moon? Did we actually do a genocide? No, no, no. There's more of them out there. Okay, <laughs> you, good, you good, just good, destroyed good. one of their bases. Yeah, like, that, that's yeah. Uh, that's what I thought we were in for. I, I was like, holy yeah. fuck! Wait, this is their. We destroyed their <laughs> habitat. That's no, that's no, more no. existential than I thought it was. Well, they are also like the most like hostile of the species in the Cogniverse. So, like, 
I guess take that what you will. There's still like at least then I'd expect like at least three seconds of like are we are we actually going to kill an entire species because they tend to be the most aggressive. Yeah, like and I tried to like encapsulate that because like as you guys were wandering around uh, Mapleton and like that part of Maple Moose County, um, and and this is this session was also sort of a sequel to some games from my from my other Monster of the Week game the um, uh, call it. Um, uh, the Flotsam Patrol Unit. Um, again on one less die. <laughs> plug, plug, mm-hmm. plug. <laughs> um, <laughs> where uh the characters like had to deal with these things that were bursting out of teddy bears that were at a carnival, and in th- that game they never got all of them. So or like the the like the carnival ca- like went like or they ended up giving teddy bears away to a bunch of people in the carnival, and so those people went home <laughs> from the carnival, and so that's how I had the premise of like they were basically like over the last year. All of those people have had their teddy the, the teddy bears open up like chest burst with one of these mocking spiders that abducted them and t- took them to their moon base in the Cogniverse. So congratulations <laughs> if you're listening and um, played in that game. You are actually directly responsible for all their deaths. Yep, I, I'm glad I, I got it off <laughs> our shoulders. Yep, uh, Shane, you're you're single handedly responsible for the uh, for the deaths of, of countless. <laughs> Good job, uh, somehow, I, somehow, I imagine he probably would. He'd probably take that as a sign of honor. together because there's havoc. Yes, very. But yeah, so recording out there of us uh, brainstorming at uh, Maple Moose County, and I remember the spiders popping into that. I don't know if that was in, in the general al dente feed or that was your Patreon. I think that's so. in our Patreon. So. Well, listeners, uh, I know at least one of you uh, is uh, has the opportunity to go back and listen to that. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, please uh, give our friends some money. <laughs> you can hear hear the brainchild of this this uh, particular session of this particular brain worm. Hear yes. how we destroy things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, the form of your destructor. Yeah. But yeah, then you guys, um, we had that. We, you guys went to the trailer park of um, of, of Happy Hex. Uh, you, 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 well, you went by it, <laughs> and then went to this like this like haunted house looking place because that's where the joke master was staying and where he was like setting up his his dimensional rift to uh, the uh, to the Cogniverse. And again, that, my favorite scene was was Jingleheimer interacting with with with, uh, with Branson, and and re- and that little that whole little exchange was really fun. Um, so funny, yeah. Um, and then meanwhile, like a couple of you guys were were in the town of Mapleton, like dealing with the the last few teddy bears that hadn't burst open yet, and just like just <laughs> just Tario, it's like uh, like uh, divine light <laughs> going to the next house, divine light. <laughs> Like, I think it, it devolved into that. It was just like it really was. We were just going door to door, passing ourselves off as exterminators. Well, once we found out that it worked surprisingly well, I think that we had tried to, you know, set up for something else. And then when we found out divine light just obliterates them, it's like, or we can do that. Yeah. Well, yeah, their their two weaknesses were copper because that was apparent that beca- apparently became the the bane like metal for for cognivores was copper. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But 
uh, also uh, for the for the mocking spiders themselves, like they their their whole head is basically just a cloud of shadow with like eyes peering, like glowing eyes peering through the through the uh, through the darkness. Also, so I, for for when this releases and we get unironic believers in this, uh, the the Canadian move to remove pennies was actually brought on by a secret Cognivore lobby. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, 100%. God damn it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the... Uh, the secret cognivore library... Or lobby. The, yeah, the, the secret cognivore lobby is actually secretly a member of the secret cognivore lobby. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, their other weakness was was basically that they don't like daylight and, and like bright, like super bright lights. And what's more bright in daylight than divine light so the light of god so it's like well i guess that fucking just works <laughs> i just like threw my threw my character sheets away uh, but at the same time totally not sorry no no yeah I, yeah exactly at this point i like i i had embraced that you like you these guys are all like everything i throw at you guys at this point is are mooks <laughs> like i was trying but yeah <laughs> Yeah, we we did the dungeon bypass. Also, I I do want to recommend that as a new Patreon tier, uh, Cognivore Lobby. <laughs> God damn, yeah, the secret Cognivore Lobby. Well, you did in the end game with the Choke Master and the confrontation with Jack. Though you did basically go well. If you I mean you couldn't attack him physically and you couldn't hit beat him down and stuff like that, which God damn it. Chris, like I went that entire thing with one of my plays was like I know my prey and like all right I got it and then I get there and it's like nope you can't uh, you, unless you want to kill your brother which you know could have yeah you. yeah see I learned from I actually learned from watching Chris <laughs> I learned from watching you Chris <laughs> like it's like all right because Chris is all of Chris's character like all of Chris's monsters were like they cannot be harmed without like a certain specific like set of rules. It's like, okay, all right, I'll do that for the, uh, the cognivores are sort of like a lost cause. Like I have, I, I'm going to treat them like I do treat everything else. Yeah. But for the joke master, he's not a cognivore. He's a more like an earthly power monster. So it's like, all right, I'm going to treat him more like that. So, yeah. And yeah, the whole idea of like, yeah, I know. Yeah. You can hurt, you can, you can, you can put the, uh, the smack down on, on joke master. He's just going to be laughing because he knows as soon as uh, a certain threshold is met, um, Jack is lost because that Jack's biomass becomes um, uh, Joke Master entirely. <laughs> um, yeah, that was that was fun for me. <laughs> Just like you're like, oh, you thought this was gonna be an easy smackdown? No, you're wrong. <laughs> Didn't we nearly fail to? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you had Jack eating through a straw for like two months after this. <laughs> yeah, that was. In, yeah, I remember in the epilogue, there was he was he was in the hospital for a, for a while. <laughs> Yeah, I think I was the one to beat him down, but yeah, I can't remember. But uh, you, you got you had you were getting some repressed sibling rivalry out of your system, <laughs> and then yeah, Tariel came in and uh, bypassed ruined my moon base, my, ruined my eighth birthday, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> just imagine, like, it, just like uh, um, Doodle's just leaping into the air with like getting ready, like with a punch ready. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't hurt the things that you love. Clearly, you don't know siblings. You've never had a brother. <laughs> All of us out here with older brothers. My apologies, smile. It's like, oh no, hit my brother. I could never. 
I mean, I've broken my brother's arm. I, I would I would have liked it if we just solved it by wedging him so hard that he had to abandon the body. <laughs> or his brother's arm too, but that's a different story. God. Um, but yeah, get, sorry, get me back on track for a second. <laughs> um, so yeah, the moon base. I had like a couple of little corridors you guys could go through uh, before the main like chamber where like they were trying to convert. Uh, Joyce into a into the into the next Spider Queen because that's how the mocking spiders work. Is they 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 start off as drones and then they find a, a bro- they find a brood queen who then generates more drones uh, and they they do that by finding a human host and then mutating that human host into like a larger version of them. <laughs> um, so that's what they were doing with Joyce. And then there was also you know all those missing people in town <laughs> that were in. Uh, in a in a couple of storage chambers in the moon base. To be fair, um, we didn't technically know that. Yes, you didn't technically know that there was, but I did put up a, a I did put up a blockade that uh, with a with a uh, a cable to like going down the tunnels that would lead to a uh, where the uh, the deactivation thing was. And oh, look, there's also those chambers with those people. But then Tariel was an angel and could just you know bypass that <laughs> that blockade. And I was like, well, all right. <laughs> To be fair, I think you only realize after as well. Like we, <laughs> yeah. we were all feeling good, and then you're like, "By the way, I just did the math." <laughs> yeah. By the way, I just, I just, re- I just remembered. Like, you know what? Those people, most of those people, probably weren't dead. <laughs> and that moon base definitely like fell apart when all the shadow energy and stuff like that that was keeping it cohesive and you know airtight. Um, that collapsed. was a real thing I didn't know. Like, <laughs> I, I think I saw hostages, but I was like, yeah, if we defeat the bad guy, the rest of them are just going to be confused. And confused, scared monsters are definitely going to just be easy pickings for us to save the hostages in the epilogue. Except I described, like, after you guys, like, dealt with, like, the main, like, the central chamber, I had the whole place start, like, collapsing, like, the end of uh, yeah. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. <laughs> yeah, that's where that's where I got caught. And by then, like, yeah. it was such not a priority, because, like, we were distracted by the huge monster fight. Or I was, yeah. at least. So... I, I think that's honestly what happened, was just everybody got, got, got lost in the monster fight. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Listen, but man, also, ketamine we, is we, a hell never... of a drug. Sorry, Chris. Ketamine is a hell of a drug. Yeah. I, I was just going to say, like, um, we never really had the best civilian helping ratios. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and honestly, like, I thought of it afterward, like, specifically, and I was like, well, this just gives me fodder for, like, some ideas for, like, a, another campaign idea or something like that. Or, like, I now have a new monster that's, like, some weird, twisted, mutated version of, like, hundreds of, of human souls. Like, what happens when hundreds of human Earth souls intermingle with the energies of the cogniverse like do they what kind of what kind of abomination monster do they this mutates from that <laughs> and i was like also thinking like well that's kind of like that could almost be like a gozer ghostbusters sort of situation <laughs> they're definitely going to haunt branson personally yeah well also because i realized afterward that branson used his own blood to for the sacrificial uh circle that and that's still there on those asteroids in in space. So. Oh, yeah. Branson is hella fucked. Yeah, no, they, those ghosts are definitely going to latch onto that as an anchor to our world. We so. never closed the portal, huh, guys? <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> I still posit that Angel Valent is magic as shit. 
But yeah, I think that's I think that covers most of the sessions in a nutshell, like the, the monsters and, and scenarios. So yeah, that was uh, that was the campaign. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> certainly was a thing. <laughs> so thoughts? What would what would y'all do differently next time? I I think like there are ways to keep like I think the campaign ran its natural course in a lot of ways, but I mm-hmm. I do think that there's ways to keep this sort of thing more contained uh, and actually kind of force people to stay within like the bounds of what's reasonable with magic because I think a lot of our problems like even I'm even guilty of it that I I was kind of bitter uh, that I felt like I was kind of forced into a corner a little bit that when I was running the session, you were just like, yeah, I'm going to do some crazy big magic right now. Like, yeah. I, I think making that be like specific ingredients, that's its own submission for, for a session can help like make mm-hmm. big magic, something that's actually rare and limit like beyond super beyond human capacity. I, I think that should just be like, make me strong enough to do this thing once as opposed to like literally anything is beyond human capacity. Like yeah, I, I think our read on that was a little bit too liberal. Not to, yeah. I I think like there's there's ways to constrain it where we wouldn't be playing like Gonzo demigods. But I I also kind of loved it for being demi for being Gonzo demigods. So you know, ups and downs there. I think when we're running the nieces campaign, uh, spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. Um, that 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 might be something we want to keep an eye out for, like have a little bit more checks and balances on the power. But uh, like, yeah, I, I I really loved it for what it was. I think like it was a crazy thing that was about the characters, and I I came to really love the characters. I felt a little bit sometimes like Alistair was a bit underpowered just as a result of coming in very late and not having magic teleportation or stuff quite <laughs> on par with the other characters. <laughs> I think uh I think uh, Tariel genuinely had like the greatest capacity to just bust the game open but was mostly mostly confined enough to use his powers for plot progression and keeping things smooth rather than driving poor Crazon insane and I got to tip my hat to you there Dave. Yeah, he, you were definitely more reserved. <laughs> to keep him as reserved as I could because yeah, I didn't want him to be the game breaker like every time. Um, yeah, the one big thing that I pushed for, uh, as far as Tariel was concerned, is it's like, all right, if it comes down to we need to crush this thing with angelic power, okay, that I can do. We need to understand these human emotions. That's a hole. Yeah. Um, Tariel has no idea how to go about that, but. He does know that he can be soothing when talking to people to a degree. Yeah. I, I definitely so. think I will read, uh, I, will, I will reread the, uh, some of the, like some of the rules just so I have a more, like a stronger grasp. Cause there was definitely mo- uh, times where I just, I just had the book on standby whenever like we were doing, and I was just like flipping through the pages whenever I needed to like get you have you guys do some, make a roll mm-hmm. just so I knew vaguely what to do. <laughs> but I mean, I honestly think that after you level up three times, I think you shouldn't level up anymore. I think uh, conversation should take place at the table. For me, I felt that the Branson, the chosen one, uh, broke a lot of things and whatnot. I mean, I think there should be kind of a conversation with that. But yeah, like I've said, with like three, like go up three levels. And after that, like if you fill out a, a, 
uh, you know, a list of mistakes and stuff like that, just give them a luck point. I, I feel like if you capped mm, it early yeah. on and then give your players like uh, renewable currency and things like that, I don't, I mean, you got your moment to shine. You've got your moment to, you know, get free of if things uh, get hairy. And you've also kind of got that gumshoe-ish kind of currency. It makes you kind of second-guess yourself and things like that. But, I, yeah, I think it would have been a whole lot uh, different game if we had just capped everything and then just, like I said, do a little house house rule luck thing if we were going to play a longer form game like this. Yeah, especially given, like, again, the, the power creep is really strong with the system. So. Yeah. yeah, I think that's like, all fair. Yeah. I, I think there's ways to work around that because I like the levels, but yeah, I, I agree that could work. I'd maybe as well just stretch uh, how long the experience takes initially. Like maybe you have to level up two times and just get the luck, and then you actually get the the bonus or skill, just so it yeah. doesn't feel too front loaded. Because I, I do really, I I, I am the hamster brained player. I, I I want I want those numbers to get bigger. Yeah, no, I, I I get you. I wonder. I wonder actually because we 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 didn't do the the post session or the post scenario um, uh, uh, experience allotment. We just kind of went with the the fail uh, the fail one. Would it ruin like some like part of the experience of, of the power by the apocalypse if we did the reverse, where like we did away with the the, the fail uh, get an experience point and just had the uh, the experience allotment at the end of the scenario? I just think it would change the. Uh momentum of the game which isn't a bad yeah. thing yeah, yeah. I, just, I just know that like a lot of uh, the big appeal at least for like my group like some of my friends and stuff like that when we're running these games is that like oh crap i failed i get an experience though <laughs> like they that, they like they they don't they don't feel dejected when they fail they actually like it's like yeah i failed they get an experience point like they kind of have like get like a dopamine i think i guess or hit mm-hmm. yeah i mean i think I think one thing that they have in Dungeon World that helps mitigate that, if you if you want to go that route, is just fail forward. You always get what you want, but if you get Snake Eyes, it turns out what you want is fucking Monkey Paw. Like, I think that, yeah. that could work for it. That uh, I mean, you do a social check, but suddenly you're being it. And yeah, they, they like you. They're, they're, they're totally going to initiate you into their gang of cannibals now. Yeah, definitely. I, I think I have to learn that as a GM is to be more like, like I, I always try to do that, but like it doesn't always come through. <laughs> and I think I need Hard. to learn more about like uh, failing forward and like in, like yes, ending even with failure. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm about to start a. If everything pans out, I, I really want to start a Curse of Shroud game, which is is very much a position where I want to say no sometimes. <laughs> Yeah. Like I want, I want a feeling of despair and hopelessness. So yes, ending isn't always the way to go. But I think for the kind of game that it was by the time I was in there, I, I think failing forward would help. And it's, I think it's a tone that works for us. So I, I'd be happy to go along with a sort of failing forward game, and yeah. that'll get me to try new things. And the end of session progression is something that would probably help us kind of. Recount and have a little post mortem of each session, which I think would be fun. Yeah, I think this would be a good opportunity for us to, uh, as we kind of bring us on home here, and I'll, I'll kind of model what I was thinking anyway. But I would like to uh, just kind of say one last thing about my character and a couple of bullet points about how I think it all went for him as it went along. Are you guys cool with that? Yeah, sure. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not cutting you short in my crazon. No, no, that's fine. Okay. Well, uh, 
I don't know how I got it in my head. I wanted to make a, a Ginger Winchester brother, but that's what I kind of stuck with. It just kind of went to my head. I, I decided to play like the, like I said earlier, like the everyman kind of character. I just wanted to be uh, mundane, but wrong. Do you know what I mean? So I had that uh, device and, you know, first couple of sessions, definitely it was just uh, me and Chris in the very beginning. We, uh, I mean, it just was, a bug hunt. And I think that session three or, uh, you know, arc three or whatever you want to call it with uh curry, the uh, Canadian star bear. Uh, yeah. You've done this to me twice. Crazy on, but the, like I'm, we're sitting there beating it down and I think I was choking it with copper wiring or something like that. And, uh, and you did this with our little fears game, which is, uh, you can listen to out there, but, um, you made me feel sorry for it as things were going on. And you kind of like, it was that that's one of the big defining moments is like that interaction and then just stopping. I can't remember Branson was going to go in for the kill. Branson wasn't down with it, but uh, the uh, letting it go and stuff like that. But uh, that was for me, that was one of the things that stuck out in my mind. And then I think later on there was a, Slowly, a rift is Branson and now Chris. Uh, no, mm-hmm. interrupt me, and I, I'm not trying to like talk shit about Branson like that, but it just like oh no, talk shit about Branson. Well, Bran- Branson just seemed like he just kept getting more and more full of himself and his persona. Where there never was a Branson, Branson, but he became this at uh, you know a Twitch streaming personality and then it all just came to a head at uh in ohio with the the corn squid Wait, to the point an, an influencer beca- became too big for their britches yeah what well it, yeah it was... no branson was not a complex character on purpose we had there was this moment and you i mean i'm like you know crazon was alluding to it. it it's it seemed fitting that we should kind of go to this right here uh where you're playing unknown armies and we're playing uh monster of the week but uh you're hanging on the front of the vehicle after you know i, I was getting ready to do something and whatnot and we were chasing the caravan down and it looks like we're getting ready to wreck and i remember you're like bend your luck spend the luck and i'm like no <laughs> and then i just drive like i i, I damn both of us by just crashing yeah, yeah. but uh, you know from that that point on uh he was done with him and then we get pulled Very back reasonable. in. We get pulled back in to prison. Chris did yeah. that nice little broken "I want to go home" moment, and I, we were able to patch things up to finish the job and whatnot. But I don't know if it was just they—they they were just too. There was too much foil between the two, between those two characters, to where you know he was. Uh, the Everman versus the Twitch streamer kind of kind of deal like that. So I mean, I don't foresee they're they're having much interaction in the future. I don't think there's animosity and stuff like that. If I recall right, Doodles just kind of drove off into the sunset mm-hmm. away yeah. from everybody. Yeah, he drove off with Clarice, mm-hmm. <laughs> like her her human avatar in the passenger seat, while the giant monster is on top of the the car or in the in the back of the truck. <laughs> Dri- riding off into the sunset, but it I, it never I I never wanted us to feel like I was fighting Chris. 
Yeah, no, I, anything. I think we did a good job there. Like, Adam, you and I play foils well. Yeah, we're, we're always means, against each other. Yeah, like, we're, but we're not, we're not against each other in that way. Because, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, we're friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the drama is in the characters, not in the players. Yeah. At least, I hope not. <laughs> oh, Lord, no. But, I mean, that's sort of the thing. So it was pretty much the Star Bear, and then, um, you know, like, the the everything coming to a head there. I, one little, like, caveat I would like to do is I enjoyed... I enjoyed the idea that the most mundane of everybody can pull one over on a death god's daughter. <laughs> that uh, yeah. that was fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's all that's also sort of like a genre, like kind of that's kind of a genre thing where like like the it's I get from the Hobbit, like the small like the most like average uh, like uh, of the of the uh, of the individuals outsmarts smog like sneaks into smog's uh, uh like horde and gets the crystal and then runs away i mean that's an entire genre of like x meets the devil story like the the fiddle yeah. player mm-hmm. yeah exactly so it, it definitely it's there's definitely a precedence for it so. yeah honestly i think it brings us to branson i, I, I after i gave a nice uh, introduction to my feelings chris why haven't you like to follow up buddy well, I always imagined Branson as a pretty static character. <laughs> like Branson had goals and things, but it like Branson was able to be Branson by being true to Branson, if you know what I mean. Branson going to Branson. Yeah, I, I imagine Branson says this in his apology video. <laughs> yeah. Oh god, he's he's ha- oh. has so many Branson apology videos. Oh man, it's a whole, Yo, whole list. I'm sorry about stealing those bones from the New Orleans graveyard, bro. But Branson got a Branson. <laughs> that that's the playlist's name for like all the apologies. It's just Branson going to Branson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, oh, like man. like uh, I imagine him as I imagined him as an icon- iconic character in that like he is a character who is deals with stress and comes through by being true to himself it just happens that himself is the fucking terrible worst. person <laughs> <laughs> the fucking worst yeah the character that you love to watch but yeah. like in that in that setting you hate <laughs> he's an it's always sunny character yeah yeah i i think uh as adam pointed out i'm i'm hoping there was maybe a little bit of development in that bit where he's like i do just want to go home oh like, yeah oh for sure I, I I do think he he grew just a little tiny bit in that like he he didn't piss into the death void, and yeah. we're all proud of him for that. Yeah, yeah, he was uh he saw something beyond him that he had never seen before. Yeah, and it was waiting for him to like be Branson. Like it's like, come on, Branson, get a Branson, and then when you did, it's like, damn, <laughs> it's like ah, oh, I can't do this. <laughs> But yeah, like that's kind of how I always imagine Branson. Like Branson is not a complicated character, <laughs> to yeah. be honest. Like he does his thing. He has strong opinions on magic that he mainly got from anime. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just, I, I just, yeah. It, it, this game also, yeah, definitely had like inspirations to unknown armies. <laughs> yeah, like, based on the players that were in it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I don't know. I like I like Branson, but yeah. Branson needs to be retired for sure. 
Branson Branson will go on into he he'll go on into the into the into the halls of characters who didn't die, but just needs to be retired. Who should have? Who should have? Yeah, like uh, I imagine that uh, Chris, you mentioned like running basically an esoteric campaign that is just veiling after Branson's bullshit. Yeah, I, and I, I think definitely that's hilarious. Yeah, I like it, 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 that that idea is actually part of like uh, sort of like the the legacy of of the uncle's games yeah. um like on top of the uh the the niece uh, the the were we going with nieces or was it they that gender neutral one because like were some of you being like other like like a like a nephew or a niece or eh. i'm, hey, I'm like anyway nieces, yeah. i think it, i think it's fun yeah but... yeah the nieces of penny dreadmill like that that game's still in the uh like still there that we're, we'll probably do at some point but I, I do definitely have some ideas for some other like uncle verse games, uh, like in the f- for the future thing, uh, and one of them is like an esoterist game because one I feel like that would capture more of the horror element that I wanted to get initially with the uncles games, mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's a little bit more limiting on uh, on their on the character's capabilities, and also you have to roll for like stress checks, which that's the one thing I like. I love Ma- I love Monster of the Week, but. I do wish there was some kind of a sanity meter or something, because <laughs> like I know that people can play those characters, like play like their worries and their fears and some of that when like they're in like a horror situation. But I I guess it's just because like I come from like running horror games that have a like a fear meter or something like that. That like I kind of it feels empty without one, <laughs> or it feels like mm-hmm. it, it for, personally like as a GM it feels like there needs to be a meter there, even if there doesn't need to be one. Um, but yeah, like I think I think that would also help like capture the mood of what I was I want to go for for a um uh an organization that has to like clean up after Branson, and it also helps me. Uh, it also gives me um some, and, and I have fodder for like at least a, a campaign wor- like a, at least a mini arc uh, worth of games because like I can just pull from any one of our scenarios that we've we've played in the uncles games and just do the aftermath situation, right? <laughs> like. Like the fr- I have like for the first two games or like the at least for like the second game where you guys like go to that place in Nova Scotia, um, you didn't deal with the problem other than like the main like the monster that the progenitor monster you dealt with that, but you didn't deal with any of the people that like had their had their uh, their memories taken and like they they still have those weird pennies like who knows what that'll do, uh, like wh- who knows what those pennies are capable of doing, and there's also the Moss Man. <laughs> Like the zombie that you threw into the into the off the coastline. Oh, I still have ideas for the boss man. Okay, yeah, if you want to do that one, I have an idea with the the penny specifically, like a potential pandemic, uh, mm-hmm. or, or a pandemic. Yeah, yeah, that might. Yeah, it, again, I I've been working on some ideas that, um, for that scenario, that's like, uh, maybe tied to like the other mother sort of idea from from Coraline. <laughs> Hmm. Only um, time it rains, it rains. Yeah. And and just because you guys are gonna uh, in that game, you're, you're it's, yeah, it's called Veil Out Branson, and basically you guys are the Veil Out crew for the SNTF that's been hounding Branson's like like various like adventures and and shenanigans, and basically uh, you're the Men in Black that come in to neuralize and like and cover up the situations. How do his social media numbers keep going up? God, I hate this. I hate this timeline. We shadow banned him so many times. 
He just keeps coming back. That campaign is ending with us just fucking going over and dropping a cement brick on Branson's head until he stops twitching. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And and again, like, it's going to be esoteric, but like, I feel like, again, to capture the the whole, like, the dark, the more, like, horror mood of it. Uh, you guys are the are the mundane department of the SNTF. So like you're the you're the you're the you're the human like the friendly mundane humans that they've recruited um to cover up things. After a week of dragging Brandon, <laughs> friendly is in big quotes. Yeah, <laughs> look, just call me for the wet works level. I, I'll, I'll sit out the rest of them. But uh, <laughs> uh, but anyway, speaking of stuff, like uh, David, yeah. I think chronological, you're the guy who popped in next here. Like yep. Yes. Any uh, closing thoughts on Tariel? So, um, yeah, Tariel, um, honestly, he gets reassigned at the very end. Um, we know that he is still out there somewhere, but I figured that at this point, it's he's turned into Heaven's Troubleshooter. Like, okay, you did good with the Branson situation, so we've actually got something where it escalated a little bit further. Oh God! That's the something that's more escalated than Branson. Yes, yes, there is. Um, We have a situation in Nova Scotia. (laughs) Oh shit! (laughs) He Tariel actually ends up being a low key guardian angel for one of the Branson cleanup squad. Yeah, (laughs) I could see that, or I could totally see where it's. Much, much later campaign, because Toriel hit the point where he also had to be retired, but sometimes that retirement is because the character gets promoted to something that is a bigger issue. Like it's, We've got cracks in reality now, and uh, since you showed that you're pretty good at dealing with things, now you get to deal with these other things. Um, you get to handle this. One more, One more last big score, Toriel. <laughs> I like the idea that this is the Peter principle for Tariel, and he's actually not like set for it. So, like the next scenario is just Tariel, just like, oh no, oh no, I need help. Calls back, calls back the uncles or the nieces. Yeah. Well, I do have. <laughs> if we want to escalate things, I do have another idea for a campaign that's set in space, <laughs> and that could be where, like, uh, like Tariel could be the angel in a. Uh, uh, angel in the other star system where that that's uh where the uh the rift to the cogniverse is <laughs> yes I, I totally i can see that especially the but well uh wait a minute why me why do i have to be the one that comes here to deal with that well you were part of the group that ripped this particular hole open so uh here's your staple gun Fix yeah. it. Do you remember about a century or two ago, um, in the in the tw- in the twentieth century or like the mid like the late twentieth century, when when you got when you and when you and a band of humans went into the to the to a separate reality and 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 destroyed a moon <laughs> or de- or destroyed destroyed a moon base. <laughs> You'll have to be more specific. <laughs> yeah. Well, the humans the humans now have found that uh, have found the rift. In another star system. <laughs> so, so again, yeah. here's your duct tape. Here's your staple gun. Yeah, fix it. All right. So I don't think um, these can fix it. Fix it. it, or just watch over it. 
So do you do you feel like Tariel changed at all over the course of the campaign? Um in a couple of ways he did. Like I feel like Tariel got to know what humanity was a little bit more. I felt that he has a solid understanding of human emotions. Or at least that's what he says. And it's like, well, what emotions did you learn the most about? Um, I believe it was one called exasperation and rage. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah, exasperation. <laughs> it comes out so much, so often in this group, in in the group I'm uh, I'm assigned to. <laughs> is is streaming an emotion? <laughs> <laughs> also, I just had this really funny idea. Sorry, back to the that that sci-fi campaign idea tariel taking on the reins uh, like taking on a job like being promoted to a job that's basically the same as the angel that was watching over detroit <laughs> but it's on like a separate planet <laughs> i could see that too just the like no you you have to watch this <laughs> but why what what did i do to deserve this well yeah about that this is the rap scene <laughs> This this is definitely like well remember that Branson thing a couple of centuries ago yeah this is a sim this is this is tied to that to that case so you're you're certainly making it sound like he was promoted to Antarctica <laughs> oh for sure here's yeah. your here's your gold star now you get to be in charge of all the problems you caused yeah <laughs> yeah promoted to Antarctica it fits that poor bastard. <laughs> Uh, so yeah. uh, how do you see Alistair's ending going there, Rob? So I think Alistair gets to be the family man, which is very nice. Um, when I first started him, it it felt kind of impromptu, and I didn't really have that strong an idea of the character. I saw like the crooked, the general idea was that I used to do bad things, and now I've gone straight. So I, I went in for kind of someone who did a lot of dodgy stuff and maybe was on was looking to the family kind of to lay low and also because he knows they can do some crazy shit um but i i ended up playing kind of a neurotic ex-con character but that quickly developed i think um by by detroit uh the you can't have shit in detroit uh session he kind of became dedicated to looking after the family. Like I can remember having the option to bail out, even being called out for being a bit cowardly. But I was like, no, 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 I'm I'm in this to protect this weird ass family that I've put myself back in with. Yeah. And I think that was good. That gave me a very strong sense of him. And a little bit around the end, I, I think I was faced with, oh my god, every other character here is kind of a demigod. I'm the person who can help you get stuff. So there there was a little bit of neuroticness of like, oh, I am the useless one. But uh, I think that partly got solved by the end, or at very least, I, I did my role and helped out a little bit. So I think that was kind of the evolution from cowardly guy in over his head because he thought he was here to get away from trouble only to step into worse trouble to someone looking out for his family and just trying to do his best to oh my best isn't that terrible <laughs> at least i'm helping dude i'm helping <laughs> yeah I, I i definitely i definitely liked the um like like you said like he went from like a criminal to like a redemption arc throughout this thing um 
to and like by the end it was sort of like yeah you you got your family man like or you kind of got the like you became it became very wholesome like redemption arc by the end <laughs> yeah i i think i was always trying to go a little bit towards that but i i didn't quite know his angle in the first session and by the end it, it became very clear who he was and what he wanted and it, it worked out for him he's is now the only family guy who's a weird drifter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> From hot couch drifter to to uh, wholesome uncle <laughs> or to sustainable uncle. Yeah, he's 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 still a hot couch uncle, but it's in a wholesome way. Yeah. Out, hot couch. All, all hot the couch DVDs. He, all the DVDs he has in the binder are like. Shrek Two. I was gonna say it's all Disney DVDs. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, exactly. Like you, you're you you got them all all the, all those pirated DVDs, but they're all for for uh, for the niece. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I love it. <laughs> Seems like we've done it, guys. Yeah. Holy crap, we did we did the post mortem, guys. <laughs> we climbed this whole mountain, like almost four months, but we got it. <laughs> hey. The important thing is that we made it, and we made it together. And now, just another five years before we actually post the campaign. You asshole, I'm posting it, like, this month. I'm starting. Uh, finally! Hey, y'all. Real the real postmortem was the friends we made along the way. Oh, God. Well said. So, man, that's, that's great. So, Kraton, why don't you go ahead, uh, when you're not... Running epic campaigns that span two years on uh, RPX. Where can people find you? So, so as I plugged earlier, <laughs> I have two other podcasts: um, Aldente Rigamortis, which is a creepypasta book club and review show, <laughs> um, where my two hosts and I read a creepypasta every week, and we discuss the material therein. Um, both like the grammar <laughs> and like how you how we would help fix and edit the the story, but also like all our actual thoughts on the story subjects and like the things that happen on in them. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, and in that case, and, and there I am. Uh, I go by the alias Review Cultist, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. and then my uh, the sister podcast El Dente Rigamortis is uh, my actual play podcast One Less Die. Which started off as a Shadowrun actual play podcast, but has I've been able to expand out from there because I have a seven to eight year backlog of recorded RPG games that I've ran. So you get to see my entire um, uh, the evolution of my GMing <laughs> from like the start in in a in Call of Cthulhu D twenty to Mass Effect D twenty. There's other games in there. It's not just D twenty guys. <laughs> um. <laughs> But yeah, it's it, it it's fun. Um, it's just me and my friends that I grew up playing games with, um, and we just I, now I'm the GM and we're recording them. So yeah, I would say the American dream, but you're not in America. But <laughs> awesome. Well, man, I, I thank you so much for running. It's it's been a blast. This is something that uh, I'll I'll remember for quite some time. One of my definite gaming highlights. And Chris. Rob, David, and we never even mentioned Sam, who made a brief appearance in the uh, yes uh, oh spider legs episode. Uh, you know, I'm glad to be able to share these memories with y'all. Yeah, as Alejandro Martinez, Ramiro de Silva, or Alex. <laughs> well, and I would like to say, speaking for all of us, 
to everybody who's made it this far with us. Thank you so much for listening. And I look forward to sharing more space in your heads. <laughs> and uh, I'll fill, fall this off with uh, suckers. <laughs> nice. Rob, he skipped you. Why don't you take us out a little bit better than that? <laughs> it, it's been quite the ride, and I look forward to sharing it with all of you. Thank you so much. Well, I guess until next time, we'll see you all later. Peace. Goodbye. Sleep well. We did not think this through. <laughs> <laughs>